Well, as Alex said, we're really glad that you're here joining us with this morning. Um, we are kicking off a new message series this morning, where, as Alex said, we're going to be looking at the decades of life. We're going to be looking at the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and just looking at some of the common themes. Oh, thanks, Bella. Some of the common themes that occur during these decades of life. Um, today we're going to be looking at the 20s and how the 20s are actually, it's really a time for training in our lives, really a focused time for training. Now, if you look through the scriptures, there is no verse that says, thou shalt train in thy 20s. But really, if we look at some of the key, some very key men in the Bible, what we can see is that there's actually a pattern where God used their 20s to really train them for some of the big things that he was going to be having happen in their lives later in life. So we'll go ahead and start out by looking at the person of Joseph. And um, the section of his story that we're going to be looking at is recorded in Genesis 37 through 47. Joseph was the son of Jacob who became Israel. He was... Um, had 10 older brothers, one younger brother, who that became the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, he was most loved by his father, which did create some animosity between him and his brothers. Um, and about at the age of 17, um, he had a dream that one day his father and his brothers would actually bow down before him. And perhaps unwisely, he told his brothers this, which obviously did not make them feel any more happy towards him. Um, so one day they're all out in the field and his brothers actually decide, you know what, we're just going to kill him. Um, but then thinking, you know what, what's going to be more profitable for us? They actually see a caravan coming by and sold him into slavery. So I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if I'm 17, 18 and I'm suddenly sold into slavery, that's not a very exciting moment in my life. So Joseph is taken to Egypt, um, where he's sold to a man named Potiphar. And as he works for Potiphar, um, and really God just works through his life, um, he actually started to do really well. And Potiphar made him manager of his household. So, you know, that's pretty good. He's doing pretty well. Well, then at a time, Potiphar's wife sees Joseph and thinks, oh, this is kind of a good-looking guy. So she says, come lay with me, and he refuses. And because of that, she falsely accuses him of rape. So Potiphar throws Joseph into jail. Again, not a very exciting moment. This isn't nice jails like we have today. This is a pit in the ground, no running water, not a good time to be. Um, but Joseph, you know, continues doing what God has for him to do, really shows, you know, continues to work hard. And over time, actually, because of his work, he's made to be basically manager of the section of jail that he's in. Through a series of circumstances, a couple of Pharaoh's servants are thrown into jail. Um, they have some dreams that really disturb them. And Joseph actually accurately interprets those dreams. And so one of these servants is let out of jail. And Joseph says to him, when you get out of jail, tell Pharaoh about me. And, you know, tell him that I'm this good guy and help me get out of jail. Well, that servant completely forgets Joseph when he gets out of jail. And so, again, Joseph spends more years in jail, a couple more years in jail. So, again, really an opportunity just to get discouraged. Life is seeming really hard. Um, but there comes a point when Pharaoh actually had a dream of his own that really disturbed him. So Joseph is brought out of jail and um, he actually interprets, accurately interprets Pharaoh's dream and does such a good job of giving Pharaoh advice about what to do in relation to this, that Pharaoh makes Joseph number two in the nation. Basically, he's the second most powerful man in the nation. And in the end, as Joseph helped Egypt through a famine, 
actually his brothers did come before him and bow down to him unknowingly as they were looking for food to survive this famine. Now I realize that's sort of a long explanation of what happened in Joseph's life. But what I want to point out is that Joseph had this vision in his teens that great things were going to happen. But then he had a long 20s in which he spent in slavery and in jail. Um, but you know what? God was training him to make him you know, be able to lead a nation and actually save many lives, including the lives of his father and his brothers. We actually see some similar things in um, the person of David, King David. Um, his story that we're going to be looking at is recorded in 1 Samuel 16 to 2 Samuel 5. What happened in King David's life is... Uh, in his early 20s, he's actually anointed to be king over Israel. So the current king, King Saul, had disobeyed God, and as punishment, God was going to be taking the kingdom away from him and his family. And so David was chosen to be the next king. David was actually a servant of Saul at this time. And as he's serving Saul and doing well, he starts to get some accolades with the people. And Saul begins to get a little jealous. So Saul decides, I'm going to kill him. So he throws a spear at him. And basically, David spends the next many years running away from Saul, who's trying to kill him this entire time. Well, finally, after a time, Saul is actually killed in in battle. And David is raised up and he's made the king over Judah. So even at this point, he wasn't made king over the entire nation of Israel as he was, you know, as he was anointed that it was going to be. It wasn't until a few more years later that he was finally made king over Judah and Israel, the entire nation of Israel. So just like with Joseph, David spent a lot of his 20s in this training session where the king was trying to kill him, but it was in his 30s that that thing that had been foretold that he was going to do, that's when he really started that big task. Um, So what we can see in both these men's lives is like sort of the pinnacle of their work The big thing that they were going to be doing happened after this period of training. And that actually that period of training occurred in their 20s. Now, as Alex said, you know, I know a lot of you aren't in your 20s at this point. 20s are up ahead or the 20s are long gone. Um, So I encourage you today. We're going to be talking just about training and training is truly applicable to any stage of life we're in. Because the truth is, is no matter where we're at, God is going to be trying to train us and be asking us to grow. It's just in the 20s that it's this really focused time of training. So, okay, that's great. These two guys, you know, they got trained in that way. Well, what about us? Why should we train? So we're going to, you know, we're going to look at some reasons why we train. The truth is, is that training's not like a Rocky movie, right? You know, it's not this 10 to 15 minute segment with like motivational music going on. And, you know, you're, you're done and you're stud and you win the day. Like, You know, training takes time, it takes energy, you know, it can actually be really monotonous in life. Um, It has to, it has to work into their daily lives. And the truth is, other than Rocky in those 10 to 15 minutes, we still have to take out the trash. We still have to go to work. You know, we don't see Rocky running up the steps while he's walking his dog. Like, we still have to take care of life. Um, And because we, you know, because training can be difficult and has to be a really big part just of everyday life, it can be really easy to lose the perspective that we need to train. You know, there's probably a bunch of different things that we may ask ourselves or say to ourselves in regards to why we should train. One thing we may say is, you know what, I got a lot of things going on right now. You know, I got work. I have this over here. You know, there's just too much to handle. You know, I'm going to wait until the timing is right and then I'll train. The reality is, though, is we can't 
count on having more time in the future. As we go through life, it's frankly only going to get more and more difficult. For those of you who are in your 20s, you have more time now and more energy than you will throughout the rest of your life. Just ask your parents. <laughs> and so, you know, as we go through life, you know, your, your careers are going to get moving. You're going to start building families. And with both of those, is going to come more stress at work, more stress at home. You know, fin- financial responsibilities are going to be becoming bigger and greater, and you're going to have to deal with all that. And, you know, as you go throughout the ages, you're going to have to start dealing with new things that you'd never touched before, such as aging parents, um, having close ones who you love die. Um, so really, we can't count that there's going to be this time that we're going to have into the future to train. Maybe another thing we may think is, you know what, okay, so what I'll do is I'll train when it becomes necessary. Like, when that thing pops up, that's when I'm going to train. But the truth is, the reality is, is, is we cannot afford to not train. Let's go ahead and look at Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. Um, and in this verse, wisdom is being personified as a woman who's calling out the simple and really just begging them to move towards wisdom. And who the simple are is the simple are, pe- are people who essentially think, you know what, life's just not that hard. It's really not that complicated. I can figure it out. I'll be fine. The, you know, the wise people who have knowledge really see life from God's perspective. So let's look at Proverbs 1, 22 through 23, or 33. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called you and you refuse to listen. I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you, like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me. Not me, wisdom. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, and would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way, and they have, have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. That's, I don't know about you, that's some pretty sobering verses. Like, you know, we tend to think God is gracious, and God truly is gracious. But what we can see from here is wisdom is not gracious. Wisdom will laugh at us when we fall on our face, um, especially verse 28. Like, let's look at verse 28. It's, it's actually really scary. If you've ever had an opportunity to do a study of diligence in the word, you'll find that diligence can actually get you really far in life. There are so many good things that come with being diligent. But what this verse shows us is that there's a timeliness factor to diligence. We have to be diligent at the right time. If we wait until the moment is upon us, that time is gone and we're going to get smacked. Calamity is going to come upon us and wisdom is going to be sitting there pointing, laughing. So we have to, you know, we have to learn how to handle the difficult situations before they come upon us. And again, that's going to be true in every stage of life, whether you're in your 20s or later or earlier on. You know, an example of this is Joseph. Let's look back at the story of Joseph. 
when Joseph was called out of prison to stand before Pharaoh, you know, he didn't have time to go back to the library to do a little studying up, you know, all that sort of stuff. But if you look at Genesis 41, 14, it actually tells us that Joseph literally had time to shave and change his clothes. And then he went and stood before Pharaoh. We can't wait for the moment. We can't wait for the moment to come and then study because Joseph would have went and stood before Pharaoh. A man could kill him as easily as, you know, breathing. And that would not be a good situation. But training is really going to help us, you know, get prepared for difficult decades that come, come up, that we come upon. Um, and any character or skill that we don't develop now, we're still going to have to struggle through later in life. Anything we don't learn in our 20s, we're still going to have to deal with the rest of our lives. So it's really smart to go ahead and train now, really preparing ourselves for the things that are going to come upon us. Um, an example of this in my own life, when I was at USC, I actually had the opportunity to uh, be a part of the USC football team. And um, I will tell you, those workouts drained me. The first time we had practice, I got home from practice and basically slept from 7 o'clock at night until the next day. I was just so tired. The first time we had workouts, I felt sick. And I've been doing sports all my life and never had any sort of experience like that. But because I'd done sports all my life, I could have said, you know what? I'm just going to rely on this training I've done in the past. I'll be fine. And then when I went with those big boys, I would have gotten thumped. So really, we can't, you know, think that just because we've trained in the past, we're going to be okay in the future. But really, as I, you know, was trained by those, by that team, that really helped me to be able to do more and more, to be able to handle more and more. So even as workouts got harder, my body was being trained to be able to handle that. Well, likewise in life, we need to start training ourselves especially in the 20s, for as later in life when things come along, when that Division I linebacker is running at you full speed, you don't get thumped. But you're able to handle that because you've done training, you've really prepared yourself for those things that have come about. Now, so that, I mean, that's a little heavy, like we should get training so life doesn't smash us. True, but, you know, what, maybe something we'll ask ourselves is what are some positive things, you know, what are some ways that wisdom is going to help me other than just by not being hurt? Um, and the truth is, is that training actually positions us to have a successful life. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. What this verse is basically saying, as far as I understand it, is that you can actually achieve some things just by using brute force in life. You know, you can take a dull axe and start whacking at a piece of wood. You know, at some point, something's going to break. Sort of the point, right? The thing is, is if you sharpen yourself, if you go after training and get wisdom, it's going to help you to be able to do things more easy and accurately. Example, again, right now I'm actually in the process of building shelves at home and uh, laminating pieces of wood together. Whenever you laminate pieces of wood together, because wood is ever na- never actually straight, you know, there's little bumps and grooves, and so really you need to sort of shave off the wood so that everything is nice and flush. Well, the proper tool to do that is something called a bench plane that can really accurately shave off little pieces of wood. Well, I'm waiting for a bench plane to come in the mail, but you know what? I'm just a little hasty, so I'm going to use a chisel and a hammer, right? This will work just the same. It'll be fine. The thing is, chisel, hammer, not precision tools for doing precision work. You know, it's more for knocking pieces of wood away. And frankly, 
my chisels aren't the greatest chisels in the world. They have a bunch of grooves out of the blade. You know, the blades aren't super sharp. So here I am chiseling at the wood and, you know, it's working. It's taking off what it's supposed to. But it's also taking grooves out of the wood, which means I now need to go back and either sand it down. And for the grooves that are now deeper than my nice flush wood, I now have a problem. So brute strength, you know, it's going to get you places. You're going to be able to do some things. But the truth is you're going to cause damage along the way. If we look back again at that, at the idea of splitting a log, you know, if you use a nice uh, sharp axe, it's going to nicely split the wood. If you use a dull axe, yeah, things will get broken apart, but there's going to be a lot of jagged edges. You're just going to cause disaster. Let's look at another verse, Proverbs 19.2. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge nor be hasty and miss the way. And what zeal is, is zeal is basically drive. Now you can have tons of drive, you know, really be, I'm going to go after it, yeah. But if you don't have the knowledge, which knowledge, again, is seeing life from God's perspective, you know, you're not going to really go things at it the right way. So let's imagine that stump again. Zeal would be, you know, I'm going to break this stump no matter what. But using the backside of the axe, like using the weight instead of using the blade, I can sit there. I'm going to be making tons of dents in there, but I'm really missing the way. I'm not really doing it because I have zeal without knowledge. I, I, you know, I'm really trying to achieve something, but I don't really understand how the world works. I don't understand that you're supposed to use blades to cut things and not just heavy objects. Training and wisdom is really going to help us see what's the best thing in life. What's the thing we need to really go after? And it's also going to see us the best way to go there. It's going to show us we need to cut that wood. And by the way, you use a sharp axe to do it. So really training and wisdom, really going after it, it's really going to help us. Another thing we may ask ourselves or say to ourselves is, okay, training sounds great. But you know what? There's some real big things I want to get established. Some things I really want to achieve in life, you know, in career. I don't know. Who knows? In the world, there's things I want to do. Let me get those things going first. Let me build those things, and then I'll come and get training. The truth is, though, is we are required to be faithful in a little things before we're going to be given much. And training is a real part of this. So let's look at six, Luke 16, 10 through 12. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? Let's look back at the story of Joseph, right? Joseph started out by being manager of Potiphar's house. Like that was, that was what he was doing. His next assignment from God was to be in jail. But in jail, that assignment was managing the jail, And it was after he had done those two things, he was faithful with those smaller things, that he was made to manage Egypt. He was the second most powerful man in the most powerful nation in the world. So we can strive to be managing Egypt, but what we see is that Joseph first managed these smaller things. Likewise, King David, you know, very similar experience. King David actually started out by leading his father's sheep. So he wasn't even leading people. He was leaving sheep, which sheep aren't the smartest animals in the world. Next, he was given the opportunity to lead the armies of Saul. So he was faithful in one thing. Now he was given a new thing. He was leading men, but he was leading other people's men. During the period of his life when he was running from Saul, there was actually many men who came and joined with him. And during that point, 
he was leading his own army. So he was faithful in one thing, was faithful in the next thing, faithful in the next thing. And finally, God made it to where he was leading the entire nation of Israel. So what we see is that we are, when we're faithful in the little things, God brings about the big things. If we just go after the big things, we're going to miss our way. Because the truth is, is that training is being a part, is a part of being faithful in the small things. When we're training, we're being faithful in the things that God is showing us to do right now in life. And not skipping over that, trying to get to the big things later in life. A final thing we may ask ourselves, which I don't know about you guys, but frankly I struggle a lot with pride. Um, so the final thing we may think is, okay, training is great, but it's for those people, those people who need help. You know what? I got this. I'm fine. I can do it. Yeah, I'll be good. So the last reason that we need to train is because you will reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. I would say our culture tends to be pretty present-minded thinking. We tend to think about what's going on now without how it impacts the future. Um, But Galatians shows us that we really need to think beyond this. Whatever we are doing today, the good things, the good patterns of how we work, the bad patterns of how we work, how we think, how we go about life, we are sowing into the future And we will reap the consequences of those things in the future, whether they are good or whether they are bad. So, you know, that that can be really hard to see at times because lots of times we don't reap those things for years and years to come. And so what happens is God doesn't squash us immediately now. So we keep doing bad things and we reap bad things. So we need to just be aware that we want to we want to be sowing the right things now so that we can reap the right things in the end. We want to be sowing into training, sowing into growing in wisdom so that we can really reap the benefits of that, which if you ever take a look at Proverbs, you'll see that there's a lot of benefits to having wisdom. In my personal life, you know, I've sowed into the right things and I've sowed into the wrong things. When I was at college, I was a part of Christian Challenge and um and afterwards, I was on staff with the Year for the Christian Challenge. And you know what? That really benefited me in a lot of ways. I really sowed some good things that I am still reaping the rewards of. When I went off to graduate school, I studied uh, architecture in graduate school for three years. I actually really enjoyed what I was doing. Consequently, I let my heart get wrapped up around architecture and around what I was doing in some ways that I shouldn't have. And I began to sow some things that were not good. And that has really had an effect that I am still struggling with to this day to get over because of those three years of sowing into that. I struggle with how it's affected my ministry. And I also struggle with I try to get fulfillment out of work, which I never can, because that's what I began to sow into when I was in graduate school. So we we need to realize, you know what, we are sowing into something. So we want to make sure and sow into the right things. We can't assume that we're going to have it down because really we will have the consequences of that pride in the future. Let's go ahead and shift gears. Hopefully that's encouraged you that training is worthwhile and that growing in wisdom is actually something that we should go ahead and pursue. So let's look at how do you get training? Okay, training's good. We'll, you know, take that. How do we go about it? Well, the first thing we need to decide is kind of our perspective and how we're going to pursue it. And really what we need to do is we need to pursue it wholeheartedly. If we look at Proverbs 8, 10 through 11, it says, Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Let's also look at Proverbs 16, 16. 
How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. You know, I tend to look at verses like this. And I'm like, that's nice. Okay, I'm just going to go along my way. But really, like, let's, let's take a look at this. What is this verse really saying? We are to pursue wisdom more than gold. There's actually few things in our culture we pursue more than money, more than manna, which is stuff. You know, that's, that's pretty high ranking in our culture. But what these verses are saying is that wisdom needs to become before that. That means we need to pursue wisdom more than a career, more than living in an area that's cheaper so we can have a bigger house, um, more than going to the right schools or whatever it is. Wisdom needs to become first. So for those of you who are in your 20s, this is especially applicable because our 20s is really a time we're typically deciding where we're going to live, who we're going to marry, who we're going to do life with. And so often in our culture, it says, you know what, go after that career and make that the priority. But what this, these verses are saying is that actually what we need to do is we need to say, you know, what, where can I find training? I'm going to go to where I can find training and I will find a job there. Now, I know that probably blows the mind because that is so countercultural to what we believe in. But if we look back at Proverbs 8, 10 through 11, it says, for all that you may desire cannot compare with her. This verse saying, if we take God at his word, he is saying getting wisdom will be better than anything else. You know, going for wisdom is going to be more impactful in our lives than going at a place where there's some career that we really want or where there's, you know, bigger houses or the mountains, which I'm a mountain fan, you know, living out in the mountains or whatever it is, you know, going for a place where we're going to get training and really grow in wisdom is going to influence us so much more. So the, really, the way that we want to go after these things, there's a great acrostic which gives us sort of the attitudes that we want to go after as we pursue things full-heartedly, and it's fat, which is faithful, available, and teachable. And so really, we want to be faithful in that everything God is showing us, we're really seeking to actually apply that to our lives. We're really going after it. We want to be available, which is what we just talked about. We want to be at a place where we can get training, and we want to make room in our schedules that we're going to be able to have time to train. And finally, we need to be teachable, which means really having a hunger to change and really just allowing others to speak into our lives, show us the, you know, Show us the cracks that we need to repair. Show us the things that we need to change. We actually need to pursue being teachable. Another way to get training is to walk with the wise. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Again, to be completely honest with you guys, I tend to look at a verse like this and say, Check, walk with the wise. Sounds good. What was I doing? You know, like, you know, I was over here doing something else. I need to go back to that. It's just, you know, I tend to look at it and it's kind of like, that sounds like a great idea. Okay. But let's look at what this verse is really saying. And if we take God seriously, if we want to become wise, which again, I just encourage you to look at what are the benefits of wisdom. They are vast. If we want to become wise, walk with the wise. You will become wise if you walk with the wise. What does that mean? The people that we're doing life with, the people that we're allowing to influence us and speak into our lives, they need to be wise. When I was in college, God really blessed me by putting a Bible study with Christian Challenge on the fourth floor of my building. Because that was the thing, it being right there, that was the thing that really encouraged me to go. Very lazy person right here. So having it so close really encouraged me to go. And as I did that, I actually had the opportunity to walk with the wise. I got to see a friend, Derek Cushman, 
talk with Neil Walker and pursue being discipled by him because Derek saw it as something important. Now, I'll be honest, I wasn't smart enough to realize that discipleship was important despite the fact that we talked about it all the time. But seeing someone else do it really showed me, like, you know what, actually this is a smart thing to do. And so I came up to Neil, and Neil graciously um, then discipled me. And as he and other wise people have built in my life, that has changed me in ways that I can't even describe. It's changed me for the rest of my life for many years to come. So walking with the wise is huge. On a side note, let's actually look at the other side of that verse. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In our culture, we tend to look at the 20s as this time to have fun, go do stuff with your friends. It doesn't matter. You're still a kid. You know, do whatever you want. And there's no consequences. Well, that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying the companion of fools will, not may, will suffer harm. So what this verse is really telling us is if we pick our friends, or as we pick our friends, we pick our future. We want to pick wise friends and not foolish friends, because that's going to determine where we go in life. Another way we can get training and grow in wisdom is really by getting rooted into the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So what we see from these verses is that as we get the word of God into our lives, it has the opportunity and it has the ability to change us, has the ability to train us, and it prepares us for the good works that God has for us, just as God trained Joseph and David for the good works that he was going to bring forward to them. There's a couple of different ways that we can get into the, into the word of God into our lives. There's actually many ways. Some of them is having a regular quiet time, which is just basically spending time to get into the word and really just relate to God, allowing him to speak to us through his word and us speaking back to him through prayer. Another thing we can do is memorize verses. If we look at Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't tend to keep a Bible in my pocket, nor can I, like, drive and read at the same time. So really the only way that we can actually practically do this, be able to meditate on something um, throughout the day, is we need to have it inside of us. We need to be able to recall it. And I know from my own personal life that when I've memorized verses, that's been some of the greatest ways that God has talked to me over the years through his word. Uh, we can also pray the word, and there's many different ways to really get the word into our lives. And if you have questions about that, just talk to the leadership here at CAV, and I know they would be really glad to be able to help you do that. Finally, the, uh, the last way we're going to discuss today, a way of getting, uh, or growing in wisdom, getting training, is to really join in God's training program for our lives. As we saw in the lives of Joseph and David, God really used what they were going through to prepare them for the big tasks that he had for them. Now, we tend to not think, I hope God puts me in jail and slavery so I can run a nation. But God wants to use what's going on in your life right now. He wants to use the pain. He wants to use the blessings, the good times, the bad times. He really wants to use all of it to train you and get you ready for the things that he has for you. And if we look back at Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart in your mouth, 
Um, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. As we do what's written in the Word of God, as we do the things that He's showing us, we really find success. Um, so what does this mean practically? How do we join in God's training program? Part of it just means, like, especially during the hard times, we tend to get underneath pressure and we're looking for any way of escape that we possibly can. Well, it means that we need to really bear up underneath it. We need to allow God to do what he's doing in our life and trust in him and really try to take full hold of those things that he's teaching and training us. And as we do these things, as we do all these ways of gaining and gaining training, God is really going to prepare us for the decades that we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. So I really just encourage you, um, training is crucial. It's really important no matter what stage you're in. God wants to train you for what he has coming forward. God trains us for the next stage by the stage that we're currently in. Well, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up as we begin to look at our next steps. One of the things that we do here at Church in the Valley is that we uh, really encourage each week for people to take next steps. And what that is, it's just a practical application of something that you've learned. And the reason for that is because the blessing really comes out of the doing of God's word. If we look back at Joshua 1.8, we saw that as we are careful to do according to all that is written in it in God's word, that's when we find success. So here's some of the next steps that you could possibly take this coming week. Think through how God is using life right now to train you. Um, you can take some time just to thank him for what that is and really just to try to take full part and really learn and grow from that. Another thing is you could pick a discipline to start or restart this week in walking with God. Whether that's a daily quiet time, memorizing verses, prayer, whatever it may be. And finally, you can seek help from the wise and blank. So there's something going on in your life, some question you have, some problem you're facing. Really take some time to get with the wise and really learn from them. So I'm going to pray. Uh, you can use this time to go ahead and finish filling out your connection cards, and then we'll drop those in the offering as that comes around here in a minute. Dear God, we just want to thank you that uh, you care about us so deeply that you want to train us in life so that we can have the best life we possibly can. Pray that you would just really show us how you are training us and that you'd give us the strength to um, really just work with you in that, God. We just thank you for your love and... Uh, Praise your name. Praise us in Christ's name. Amen.